Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. This is John Massengale. I'm sitting in the studio in Austin. I'm joined by my co-conspirator, Jonathan Green, over Zoom. Looks so lonely, that buddy. Uh, it's it's great. It's the way I've always wanted to do the show. No, not really. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> no, man. You know what? It actually is not great being in the studio by myself. It's no fun not having you guys here. Well, well, so be it. It's it's it is what it is as as a phrase goes. <laughs> hey, we're not talking politics tonight. Hey, man, we are, I wasn't. <laughs> we are so excited. Normally, we say that, and it's just us that's excited. But this time, we have a lot to be excited about because it was yeah, Indy five hundred <laughs> Indy five hundred day. We have an IndyCar driver, James Davison, joining us here shortly. And we also have an exclusive interview that we did yesterday, uh, day before yesterday, with. The team principal of the Haas F1 team, Gunther Steiner, talking about the new five-year Concord agreement that Haas F1 signed. And we got part one of that interview that we're going to play tonight. And I think that's the story of the week, isn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, no I, doubt. I mean, the Indy 500 always catches everybody's imagination on the day of. And it was a classic right up until it wasn't a classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right up till Last the end. Last five laps, yeah. Uh, but the big news is that uh, Haas have signed a five-year agreement to stay in Formula One, which is great news for Formula One fans. And Williams have been bought by an American investment company. So two huge stories uh, for American race fans. I, I know. I mean, think about American Formula One fans now. Not only do we have the sports owner, we have, you know, the permanent home here in Austin at Coda, and we now have... We had the Haas F1 team, and now we have another team that's owned by an American team, although it is an American invest in, investment, really, because they're going to keep the management in place, keep everything in place, at least as of now. So this is going to be really interesting to watch. But man, as an American Formula One fan, I could not have had a better week. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And uh, we'll have uh, more of that Gunter interview. We've got a, a few bits tonight, but... Um... We'll have the whole of it. We had a good half hour with him, and he was in a very good mood back home in North Carolina between races um, yeah. and about to head off. Yeah, it was. It's nice to have him here in America when we're talking to him. We can call him at a normal time, and but uh, but he sounded so relaxed. We've got It's going to be great. We've got it all on video as well because we did a Zoom with him. So if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube, you can see it there. We'll also put it up on our YouTube channel. Actually, it'll stay up on all of those, but we'll have the full interview 
next week on our Formula One pre-show. Go to our website, speedcitybroadcast.com, to ha- find out how to listen to that. And we'll have we'll have that whole thing. But but uh, the Indy 500 today, Jonathan, you know, uh, like you said, yeah. up until the last minute, it was great. Yeah, it was. Um, and it was really a, quite a pure it – was, it, it was one for the purists. Um, and it was also one for the nostalgics. Um, it started off with Mario, Michael, and – um, Marco leading the Indy 500 field. I don't think they've all been on the track together at one point, I don't think. So that was kind of fun. Obviously, Marco taking the pole last weekend uh, for the first time for Andretti for 33 years. Uh, pretty impressive. Um, but unfortunately, um, history retold itself because if you know Marco, um, Marco's never been slow, but he's never had the race pace. And again, today they struggled. Yeah, it's too bad, man. That storybook ending, if Marco uh, had, you know, had, had been able to win this race, it would have been, I mean, heads exploding. That would have been an amazing thing for the sport. And really, in all the motorsports, have another Andretti win the 500. But, but, but you know, it's tough. And, and, you know, the Indy 500, they talk about it. it it's, you never know who's going to win the race. I mean, look at today. You figured Dixon was going to take this race. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, Sato was fast. Kuma Sato was fast all all race. But... Yeah, to be fair, uh, I don't think if they'd have played out the laps and there hadn't been that crash, which brought it to uh, a yellow flag ending, um, I'm not so sure that Dixon would have caught it because for whatever reason, they dialed in that that Ray Hall Letterman um, car for the last stint and Sato was a missile and Sato would have made it very hard to overtake. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. One for and, the oldies as well, 43. I know, 43 him. years old. Takuma Sato wins the Indy 500 again. That's the last time was, what, 2017 he won it? Yeah. So he's now a two-time yep. winner. I think I but saw the set. such a hero in Japan. Oh, though. yeah. He really is. That watching him get emotional talking about his country and put, raising up that flag, that was awesome. Yeah. And he got to ride in the elevator, the first man to do it. That's right. That's right. The Indy car elevator that elevates the car, the car and the and some of the team and the driver. That was awesome. But hey, you know, Jonathan, you know how they say in broadcast, you shouldn't play with dogs and cats and children because they're you know there's always going to be a disaster. <laughs> I, I I felt that you know having an elevator that has to not stick is is just putting more you know and you're live on television with milk and various different people. Yeah. Well, hey, Jonathan, we have our guest on the line. We have the gentleman who was at the Indy 500 in a race car today. We have James Davison. James, welcome back to Speed City. Thank you for calling in, buddy. Yeah, no worries. Uh, wasn't the best today, as you probably saw. Oh, yeah. Mate, but I'll tell you what, you started, I mean, talk about goodness gracious, great balls of fire. What happened? <laughs> yeah, well, it took a while for the team to kind of pinpoint exactly what we thought it was. We weren't sure if it was debris from Ed Carpenter's incident because I was right behind that, and especially my right front uh, kind of tire brake area was around that. But they ended up tracing it back to a master cylinder malfunction and looking at the data uh, on the pace lap slowly uh, brake pressure was creeping in, just two or three psi, and then as I started getting ramping speed up, in um, once we went green, the brake uh, pressure was just automatically ramping up to 250 psi, and I'd gotten a good start. I went by Alonso and Dalton Callet, and then coming out of turn four on lap two, 
my car just wouldn't accelerate out of fourth gear. So initially I thought it was an engine problem. But then after two laps and I guess the spotters saw the <laughs> brake disc was glowing and it, apparently the whole pit lane could smell my brakes as well, <laughs> as well as all the spotters up on the top of the grandstand. So, it, you know, had it been a full house, there would have been hundreds of thousands of people smelling it. <laughs> but uh, um, just craziness. I mean, when, when, when has anything like that ever happened? It's just unbelievable but it just is what it is and it's racing it's heartbreaking um especially since santino ferrucci had such a good race we had the same setups on our car and yeah you know maybe we we could have been in for a decent race but it's racing man james that that's too bad you're right but watching it it was one of the craziest (laughs) things i've seen in motor racing because that thing exploded and then you talk about that rotor lighting up i mean i've seen rotors get hot but that thing looked like the surface of the sun, and then it burst into flames, and then burned the tire up with it. It was, it was a crazy spectacle to watch. But I know that's hugely disappointing to you. I, you know, like you said, especially seeing that the car, the setup you had was fast. But you know, I know you you got to be there. Indy five hundred. That's such a a big deal to even go and be able to participate. Yeah, it's huge for your uh, for your profile doing the Indy five hundred. It's a privilege to do it. And, you know, I've always kind of made it into the race by the skin of my teeth, but, you know, you work hard and you put yourself in the right position to be in the right place at the right time and network and all that stuff. And, you know, dreams can come true, you know, as hard as you work on track, you've got to work just as hard off track. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things, you know, I mean, as they say, it can always be worse. You know, imagine if you had a really bad accident and, and you got injured or you know, I made an unforced error myself. Um, it's it's just, just the way that it goes. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful I'll be back next year. I've got a great group of supporters behind me. And uh, from here, I, uh, yeah, going to be doing a, a bunch more NASCAR Cup races. So I'll be racing at Daytona in the Coke, 0400 next weekend um, with Rick Ware's team. So, uh, yeah, life could be worse. <laughs> yeah, and how's that going, James? I was I spotted you last week and thought, oh, my gosh, that guy gets around. You've done IMSA, you've done Indy, you're in the 500 one week, and now you're at Daytona the next. I mean, talk about living the dream. Um, <laughs> and, and I also noticed that your cousin uh, also drives a Mustang, so you're keeping it all in the family. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Um, so yeah, I've done six NASCAR Cup races, and uh, I've been driving for Rick Ware's team, which is one of the very small teams at the back with, you know, a budget a tenth of the big team. So, right, you know, we're battling between thirtieth and fortieth place, running three three seconds a lap off, but I'm doing it. It's a way for me to get a start. Um, it's it's really exciting being in NASCAR, especially the Cup Series thing the size of the fan base, um, you know, on social media, you notice it as well. It's like four times bigger than, than IndyCar, you know, the kind of engagement you get and all of that. And, um, yeah, I've done two races at Pocono, one at New Hampshire, uh, two at Michigan, and then the Daytona road course. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's, 
it's exciting. It's really exciting. So this next weekend will be my first restrictor plate race. And then uh, the Southern 500 at Darlington afterwards. And obviously I'm going into all of these races having never turned a lap of practice or qualifying. <laughs> well, <that's>... like... <laughs> that was what I was gonna... That was my next question because they said it in commentary that how well all the rookies are doing because none of them are getting any seat time. They, are, you know, they, they talk about being like, well, William Byron today had a great race and, you know, no seat time. And for you, even more so because you haven't even come through the ranks of, you know, Xfinity and, um, you know, truck series or anything else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, at Pocono, when I took the green flag there, I had never driven a stock car on an oval and I was <laughs> driving, driving, driving a NASCAR stock car on an oval for the first time taking the green flag in the cup series on a track I had never driven before as well. Cause I had never <laughs> driven a Pocono or New Hampshire or Michigan. And I just took the green flag and got on with it. So it's very much still 2020, uh, especially after what happened today. Some people asked me what happened. Well, I said, well, it's still 2020. <laughs> true, true. How is it compared to driving a V8 then? I mean, you know, a, a supercar. Well, I've only done a couple of laps in my cousin, Will Ford. Um, um, and, and, and yeah, it's, it's very different. I mean, wow. I mean, you just, they do absolutely nothing on a road course. They don't stop. They don't turn. They don't put power down, but it creates a really fun, exciting challenge. And I really enjoy it. Um, I've been fortunate, like you said, to drive a lot of different race cars in, in IMSA, IndyCar, NASCAR, historic racing. I've done a little bit of USAC recently. So, uh, so I did a sprint car race uh, here in Indiana a couple of months ago. I did the Chili Bowl on dirt. Again, that was a, <laughs> that was a, that was a crazy situation because me and Santino Ferrucci went right. to the Chili Bowl, so the Super Bowl of dirt racing, and we had yeah. never driven a midget and never raced on dirt. And just went racing, and obviously we suck. <laughs> I mean, those guys are so good and, and experienced at what they do. But we, we we did it. We had the opportunity to do it from the Bird family, um, and yeah, we got thrown to the wolves. But we at least did it. We got some respect for it, and and uh, I think Santino and I will be back to do that. So yeah, just crazy how my career's played out, but. Uh, as I say, beggars can't be choosers. I'm just fortunate to be racing, um, period, I think. Yeah, you got yeah, it. Got... We love watching you race. It's, it's always fun. Well, James, I got to ask you, you, I mean, you, you had a pretty good starting position. Well, you're next to Alonzo, and you, and you said yeah. you passed him, and, and also on an Indy 500 runner on the other side, right, Pagano? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we all, I mean, wow, it was so competitive this year. There's so many teams that, are strong and that's what's so fantastic about IndyCar the parody um, everyone's got a shot and so you just have a little bit of a slip up like we did in qualifying where we just weren't able to keep our average speed up over the four laps and you're going to start 10 positions further back than maybe you would have otherwise And um, I was aware though it was a 500 mile race I was planning to drive a very disciplined 
race and just minimize the mistakes, not get impatient. Um, and yeah, it was over before it started. So it's just the way it is. I thought about you as you were being introduced and, and coming up the stairs and coming up with Alonso. I thought backstage, I wonder if you had a chance or have you had a chance to, uh, since he's been in Indy, to, to, to get a, a chat with, with uh, Fernando? Because I, I bet he's an interesting cat. Um, two, three years ago, when he first came and did the 500, just before the street parade where all, all the drivers, we had an area we could just, had some lunch in, in the AC before we went out and did the street parade downtown here. Um, I did have a little chat with him. To be honest, I can't remember what we spoke about. <laughs> but um, this year, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to um, just create conversation for, for no reason. I mean, we're, with the social distancing going on, we, yeah, all yeah. the drivers, really, we didn't see each other much other than right before the race to be honest. So throughout the last two weeks, Fernando and I had seen each other in the paddock or whatever and just waved and respect each other. And, um, yeah, it was cool to, to start alongside him and race him for the first <laughs> five, five, lap, uh, five miles of the race, two laps. But, um, yeah, I just don't, don't want – obviously, he gets hounded a lot as it is and, and, and those kind of guys. I, I just don't want to, uh, you know, be – bugging them and all of that kind of stuff. And and I actually had met Fernando back in 2005 when I won the Formula BMW support race at the US Grand Prix here on the infamous weekend with the Michelin tyre debacle. And, uh, yeah, I'd actually met Fernando back then 15 years ago. So, obviously, at that time, I would never have thought I'd be racing against him in the Indy 500, but... Yeah, life, life, you never know what life got to throw at you. And, um, yeah, I certainly didn't expect to be on fire today when I woke up this morning. I just wanted to get to the end of the race. <laughs> well, you know what? Going back to that, you've just you've, you reminded me of something I desperately wanted to ask you, and it's a serious question. Uh, several of you, with, for different reasons, um, got flames. And obviously, that's yeah. always scary for any racing driver. But one thing, and I wanted to ask you, because I know you'll give me straight answer it, it do you not think it's taking too long to get out of these cars now with the aero um shield um well look i'll be honest with you when my car was on fire and i was sliding towards the safety team i was trying to stop earlier but i had no brakes obviously that blown up <laughs> and um I saw how big the fire was, but I just sat in the car and just was relaxed because I knew I had the aero screen. I knew there were six guys there with fire extinguishers putting it out. And so I didn't hurry to, to, to get out because obviously if I tried to get out in a hurry and pull myself up um, out of the aero screen, then I'm going to be exposed to the heat and all the fumes yeah. of the fire extinguisher and so on. So I just took it easy and didn't panic that, there was fire because I knew I was in a better position just staying there out of the harm's way of the chemicals and the heat. Um, so, yeah, once they got it put out, then I just, you know, slowly got up. But there's a lot of things you've got to unplug. You've got to unplug the air hose out of the top of your helmet. You've got to pull two radio cords out, and then you need to disconnect the drink tube. So that's what 
makes a fair amount of difference. Hmm. Um, yeah, of, of of getting out, and I think maybe the um, uh, the the safety team, maybe they have been briefed already, but they just wanted to pull me out of the car, and they didn't mm-hmm. factor in that they had to pull my air hose out because I had uh, yeah four or five different cords that would have held me into the car in addition to unclicking the belt. So mm. I overall. The upside of the aero screen is un, indisputably um, in yeah. favour uh, because we've seen what's happened in the past. And looking at the replay when my brake uh, caliper and upright ex- exploded, uh, sorry, <laughs> my brake disc exploded, um, you know, that could have hit me in the helmet. And then when the car yeah. was on fire, I was in a canopy shielded from the heat. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that the aero screen, they've done a fantastic job of it. Um, the cooling is great in the car. It's even better than an open cockpit because you have the, the hose forcing the air into your helmet. Um, and in terms of vision, it's perfect as well. I, I can't even tell that I'm driving with it on the car. So, yeah, so a big uh, hats off to IndyCar and Red Bull for taking that extra step. Step, and I think you'll also see a couple of the older drivers just continuing the race a little longer now in into their forties. Now that the aero screen's on the car, because um, it's definitely safer. Huh. Good, good, good answer. Thank you. That's that is exactly that's fascinating, I and hadn't thought about all the different aspects of that, especially the heat yeah. from the fire and, like you said, the chemicals. That's that's and interesting. Also, it's but... interesting because Rossi, Rossi's race was ruined by what was at the time mooted as the fact that he couldn't see out of the aero shield. But if you're saying that the vision is just as good, even even in a pit stop like that, because you know he got he got uh, ding for hitting Sato, um, which he could have claimed he couldn't see him, but I don't know. Yeah. Hey, James, yeah. I, I want to ask you. I want to ask you about the fans because obviously this is the first time we've ever had an Indy 500 without fans. I know you've raced, you've been at the Indy 500 before. I mean, how was it today for that that aspect? It just seemed, it didn't bother us watching it that much, but how was it for you? Yeah, it, it was very, very different, to be honest. It, it, uh, you definitely noticed that it wasn't normal. It felt, honestly, what it felt like sitting on the grip was a dress rehearsal. Huh, yeah. <laughs> honestly, because everyone was there, but there were no fans. Um Obviously, once the race went green, it was just as competitive and hectic as it as it usually is. But the fans are what make the Indy 500 what it is. Obviously, if there were if there weren't 300,000 people there and the sea of colour that Indy's famous for, obviously there wouldn't be the attention on the race, even as fantastic as the racing is at Indy. It's the greatest spectacle in racing because of the sea of fans. Yeah. It being the biggest single day sporting event in the world, in addition to how fantastic the racing is and the history is of, of the race and, and the restarts and, you know, everyone going three and four wide and, yeah, everything we know the Indy 500 is. So it just is. It just was what it was today. Um, obviously, everyone wanted it to be normal, but we know why the world isn't normal right now. And 
Uh, I think we're all just looking forward to 2021 to go <laughs> back to how it is, how it yep. was. <laughs> how it was, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it, it just, yeah, I'll tell you when it struck me was when I heard them doing post-race interviews and you could hear the echoing, and it was like, oh, that's kind of weird. But when we were watching the race, it still felt like an Indy 500 to me. It still, I was just as excited. You know, I, every now and then you'd, get, you'd see the stands empty, but I don't know. The racing was so good. Like you said, there was so much, you know, with the Andretti history going on in the background, too. All that stuff, the usual, and the great racing, of course. It, it didn't bother me that much, but it was weird to see those empty stands. But... Hey, James, uh, I want to talk about the last time you were here in Austin. We had our eSports event in downtown Austin, and you just wandered in the front door, man, and came and raced a bunch of the guys. I wanted to say thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was with Alex Ramirez. That's how I knew about the event. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So obviously a Spanish IMSA, uh, IMSA driver that lives or lives in Austin. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we just – walked by and saw all the kids having a go on the, on the F1 game. So I thought, why not? Let's, let's just blend in and um, <laughs> yeah, have some fun. So no, that was, that was, that was good fun. I did actually, I put it on my story and Max Verstappen saw it. And then he commented to me, he said, what the hell? You're, you're racing with controllers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think next year we should we should try and upgrade the steering wheels rather than uh, using X and, and Square and, and, and a joystick to try and get a race car around the racetrack. But obviously it was the same for everybody Yeah. and a bit of fun and, and a, a different challenge. It, you know, it was, it, it was what it was and it was it was all in the name of fun. Yeah, that place exactly. had, had just opened up in downtown Austin right before the F1 week. And so we just called them up and said – can you get these games set up? Can you get the F1 game? And and they were lucky to get it all up and running for us by the time we yep. we were there. Much less get wheels and everything else going. So, but it was a blast, and we I, it was we appreciate you doing that. It was it was fun. But uh, yeah. so so yeah, what no you talked? I guess you talked at the beginning. But what's your next race now? And and in what kind yeah, of car is it? Next car is, is it uh, Daytona? NASCAR? Oh, it's da- Daytona. That's right. That's right. You got to yeah. be looking forward to that. Yeah, yep, I will. I mean, again, I'm going into the race having never driven on a restrictor plate and all the bump drafting and all of that stuff. I'll just have to feel my way into it. But those are the races where our very small little teams at the back can get a result, obviously, when there's the big one and there's the big wreck. Getting a top 15 finish is, is huge for those little small teams. So by just staying out of trouble... Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm kind of expecting to lose the draft in the first part of the race. Mm. It's nearly a blessing in disguise because it just puts you out of trouble. If there's a wreck ahead, you've got time to slow down. So yeah, it's going to be exciting. I think Darlington as well. Uh, They're both going to be night races. Darlington's obviously crazy track, very historic race that's been around since the 1950s. And um, yeah, maybe I'll uh, I'll get a Darlington stripe on my car. So <laughs> yeah, just another thing to put in the put in the scrapbook and look back on when I'm when I'm old and wrinkly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, James Davison, thank you so much for joining us on hey, the show today, buddy. And uh, what James, do you got, Jonathan? before you go, we've got to make a news story. Are we seeing an Australian in NASCAR? Is this the plan? <laughs> yeah. Look, I've got the opportunity here to go to go racing, and um, since the first couple of races went well, and I, I ran competitively within our you know slow car group at the back, and I've I haven't crashed the car. It's opened up the door for me to do more and more races and it looks like i'm going to be doing another eight to ten for the rest of the year and potentially a full season next year and if i'm able to uh build up this specific skill set in the next 18 months prior to the new car coming in 2022 where it's meant to promote a lot more parity between the big and small team um maybe there's an opportunity for me to kind of move up in NASCAR. So, I mean, at my age, I turn 34 next week. I've got nothing to lose. Uh, it's not yeah. like I'm leaving behind a full-time ride in IndyCar or sports cars. It's obviously extremely difficult just, you know, to be in, in rides with the, the sponsorship part of, of the sport. But NASCAR is obviously huge with their t- television money and that helps the small teams run. Again, I don't like running 30th, but... I would be on the sidelines otherwise. So, yeah, I'm very much rolling and running with this opportunity I've got in NASCAR. And, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, it's, it's fun. Well, that's awesome. Up, we would love to see that happen. That would be fantastic. And uh, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Well, James Davidson, thanks, buddy. We appreciate it. And we will talk to you soon. We'll get you back on the show soon. All we'll right. Thanks, week. guys. Take care. See ya. See ya. All right, Jonathan, we got to take a break. You're listening to Speed City Live from Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. Stay tuned. We got Gunther Steiner exclusive interview. At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town in your favorite store or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company. Born, bred, and brewed in Texas. When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hello to everyone. This is Gunther Steiner. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back to the show. We're going to talk about Formula One, Haas F1 team. We've got an interview that we did a couple days ago with Gunther Steiner. But before we do that, I want to wrap up just a little bit with the Indy 500, Jonathan, because yeah. the one thing that you know we talked about, how Dixon was fast and obviously Sato won the race, but Alexander Rossi, that was one of the other big stories, that he was leading the race and went to pit. And when he came out, banged into Sato. It was Sato, right, that he hit? And yes. And then they penalized him, and he went from the front of the race to the back of the race. And on his way, trying to weave his way back up through the grid, had, had a problem and didn't get to finish the race. That was disappointing. Yeah, I felt for him because he's, he definitely had the car, and I, I thought it was really intriguing that the two uh, different teams, Ganassi, um, you know, and Andretti worked together effectively to save fuel by each taking turns in leading and swapping around. And that, that was definitely something that their engineers, you know, were telling each of the drivers on the radio. I was listening in and um, very clever strategy. But sadly, uh, that pit stop, which at the time, like I said, that's why I was asking James, um, you know, you could argue that um, Rossi didn't see Sato. But then in his in his interview afterwards, Rossi said, yeah, same guy. He always does it. You know, I he, he doesn't take a lot of care to stay out of everybody else's way. Um, and I think obviously he was just fed up with with his day. But, um, yeah, I thought it was tough to put him right to the back, to be honest. Yeah, that's tough. But, you know, isn't that just it's just so motor racing. And so the Indy 500, too, where you're you're leading the race one minute. All of a sudden you're at the back of the grid and, and then you're out of the race. It's just that's motor racing. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, on the balance of things, you say you should say Scott Dixon. Uh, I was getting texts and uh, texting back and forth with my buddies in New Zealand because obviously, uh, you know, he's due a win. He's leading the championship. He's been the guy to watch this year, um, Scott Dixon. And really, on on the balance of laps led, he sh he should have won the race. But that's the Indy Five Hundred. That's <laughs> yeah. Hey, I was just looking on IndyCar.com, but I was thinking, I sometimes I wonder. I'm so biased that I, I, it's so exciting to me. And I was wondering, wondering, wondering what the fans thought. The, the IndyCar put up a poll. What would you think of today's race? One to ten. The the number one answer was an eight, an eight out of ten. So a lot of people enjoyed well, it. Well, I, I mean, my Dixon said it in his interview. I don't know why. And so, too, did uh, Townsend Bell in the commentary, which is why I don't know why they didn't red flag it, because it was a big hit. And we had no idea. I mean, we saw him get out of the car. But you, you'd think you'd have take more attention to the driver at that point red flag it and then there is a rule that you can then have a three lap dash yeah um for the line 
And that would have been a far better finish to the 104th running. I know. Like you said at the top of the show, wouldn't it have been nice to see Dixon and Takuma Sato going at it for the win? You know? Exactly. I just hate – I never enjoy a a finish at idle. It's just no fun to watch that kind of – Hey, by the way, the reason I wanted to crack that uh, story was uh, that's a big story. James Davison comes from a family of V8 drivers. His cousin, as he mentioned, Will Davison. He's had grandfathers, and I mean, you know, it's a big racing family in Australia. And for him to take on NASCAR, and and it looks as though he'll kind of do the one-off Indy 500, but but concentrate on NASCAR. That's a big story for Australian motorsport. Yeah, that would be big down there, wouldn't it? With especially yeah. you know he's with his his family history and you know, his his brother, his cousin, his dad all racing. That's yeah, that's a big <laughs> deal. All right, let's shift to Formula One because uh-huh. really this was a huge huge news in Formula One. Not. Not just the fact that it, we've talked about the Haas F1 team. We have got a, a little interview here with Gunther Steiner about this. But really the fact that you get all the teams agreeing with each other and signing a five-year deal. That's a huge deal. And Jonathan, why don't you explain a little bit about what the Concord Agreement is? Well, the Concord Agreement is an agreement that has always been very controversial because it sets out the plan which can be deviated and voted, uh, you know, voted to go in a different direction. But it's a basic outline for what the future of the sport, how the monies will be decided, how the races will be, you know, uh, how, how the business of Formula One will be run for the next period of the Concord Agreement. And it was called the Concord Agreement because it was first signed in Concord. Um, On but, a Concord uh, or at Concord? <laughs> at Concord, the town <laughs> of Concord. <laughs> but... um. It was always very controversial under Bernie Eccleston and, and, and in fact, could sometimes literally went a year without all the teams agreeing. And it went through machination after machination because not all 10 teams could agree. And it had to be that way. Um, it had to be a unanimous decision, which makes it really hard because it only needs one team to say, nope, we're not happy with it, that they have to go back to the drawing board. So for Liberty to pull this off as quickly as they have and for all 10 teams to agree is, first of all, in my, my knowledge of Formula One, first time ever. So it's shocking, um, but it's really good for the future because they're all now locked into a plan, which can change, as I said, you know, by, by, by another meeting. But the point is they've set out a road plan for their future and everyone's agreed to it in principle. So that's good. That's really good for the business and, um, you know, and really good for Haas more importantly, because we weren't sure, were we? Yeah, that's right. You know, when I woke up that morning, what was it either Wednesday or Thursday morning, woke up and the Concord agreement had been signed by all the teams. And I looked at the Haas account and it said, we're in for another five years. And that's how I found out that Haas was, going to go racing for another five years in Formula One because that was very much in doubt. I mean, early in the season, we talked to Gunther back in March, and we were saying, is Gene going to go racing again? And he was like, I don't know. We Nobody knows, you know. He, he might get tired of not us not performing at a high enough level. But And certainly this start of the season would mean, would yeah, have meant, you know. Put that in doubt. Not, not impressed Gene, yeah. Well, I think I want to go ahead and play our first clip with Gunther Steiner because we just sat down with him on Friday morning and we've got part one. We're going to play a couple of clips from it. And then next week on our formula one show, our national show, we'll play the rest of that. But this first question we ask Gunther, actually I said to Gunther, I said, uh, you know, I want to tell congratulations. uh, congratulations. Thank you for, you know, getting this done. And he was like, uh, it wasn't just me. So let's hear from Gunther Steiner from the Haas F1 team. I think you have to congratulate Gene because he signed it. 
he, he owns the team, so he signed it. No, I think it's very good. It's very good for Formula One in general, Formula One in America. Uh, uh, it's like I think we, uh, we established a, a good fan base here. And uh, I know that at the moment we are not running how we want to run, but there is uh, if, uh, different factors due to that. But we will get back and uh, making everybody proud of, of it. You know, like in the good days when Dave was with us, you know, because he will, he, he will claim that it was him which was doing a, a good job. So, uh, uh, anyway, no, I, I think it's good for Formula One that all, all 10 teams signed. They are, all, uh, they are 10 solid teams. And I mean, uh, the day after, or two days after signing, uh, Williams was sold to an American investment fund, you know, which uh, again shows that there is, uh, there is value in it. Uh, and uh, uh, hopefully going forward, uh, Formula One is, is going to be a better place, I think. In, in your discussions with uh, Gene, I'm sure, I mean, because, you know, you, you, you gave us the impression at the beginning of the season that, you know, Gene, Gene's a, uh, a charitable man, but he's not, he's not a fool either. Uh, and if, if things didn't get better, you know, it, it, might, it might be the end of this journey. But obviously something has convinced him that it's worth the five years. Was there a lot of uh, toing and throwing in terms of, you know, was there a lot of uh, discussion, if you will, about, uh, about going forward? Yeah, first of all, as you said, uh, Gene is no fool. And, uh, uh, but I think the, the whole uh, landscape changed uh, uh, since, uh, since Corona came, uh, came or, or hopefully it's gone soon anyway. But uh, uh, there was not a lot of discussions and drawing and, 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 and uh, uh, it was more like to explaining how we want to go forward. And, and, the, and the main factor for, for Gene has to go forward is there is a budget cap coming next year already, which is lower than it was, uh, than it was planned to be at the beginning of the year. Plus, the, 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 the payments, uh, the, the distribution of the, let's call the price fund, it's more equal for the smaller and bigger teams. So uh, it, it makes a lot more sense business-wise how, how it's run now since uh, Liberty Media made their first commercial agreement because the last commercial agreement they inherited from when they bought it uh, uh, from, the, from, from their predecessors. So I, I think for Gene, it's, it's, I would say partly also emotional because he likes racing, as we all know. He owns uh, uh, one of the best, if not the best, NASCAR team in the moment. And he owns a Formula One team, which means you must like the sport. Otherwise, you don't do it because uh, uh, making money is very difficult in motorsport. But uh, that was one thing. But the second thing is uh, 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 we spoke together and, and we came up with a plan to make this a sustainable business. A sustainable business doesn't mean that you have to make a lot of money, but you shouldn't be losing money because then it's not a business, then it's a charity. And that it will not be. And uh, we came up with a plan together. And uh, now we just we just have to execute, which will be easy. Yeah, kidding. So, but it will be hard work to do that. But uh, uh, that is the plan, and that's what convinced him. Uh, that'll be easy. <laughs> I, I do love the way he puts that, though, is having the the team sustainable, because yeah, you know, look, if the if the team's losing money every year, it's a lot harder decision for for Gene and for Haas Automation you know, as, a, as a company going, hey, this is supposed to be promoting us, but it's just costing us a bunch of money. But if they can break even and keep putting the name worldwide, that's a big deal. Yeah, and, and I thought that was interesting. He made the point that, that they inherited the last Concord agreement. And you, you see what my point is there. You know, they came into a sport that they had no way of making the rules, deciding the rules, helping, you know, putting their 10 cents worth in. Uh, whatever money they earned was because of a previous Concord agreement. So they're now starting with a, almost a blank sheet and they're still the youngest team in Formula One. 
But in five years, I think they, you know, with their results and the characters and, and now with the Netflix thing, I think they've established themselves as a part of the fraternity that is Formula One. And, I, and I'm really excited for the future. And I think now they can kind of start a, start afresh. You know, they got in, they competed, they didn't do brilliantly, but they didn't do bad. And now Gene Haas, if you think about it, because he's right, is one of the most powerful men in world motorsport. Yeah, no doubt with, you know, with the NASCAR team now and I mean, NASCAR team and now a, a full on commitment to Formula One. You know, I, I originally thought, OK, he's going to do this for five years. And if it goes OK, who knows if he's going to stay or not promote the, the company. But now it looks like he's like you said, I like the way you put it. It's a fraternity of F1, it, it, a 10 year team in F1. Yeah. I mean, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Think about all the teams that have come and gone so, you know, this is this is really amazing as an American Formula One fan. I mean, it's it's incredible thinking about the fact that the sport's owned by an American team and now uh, with Haas F1 having instant success that they had and now the commitment, you know, who knows what could happen in the next five years. Sebastian Vettel could be driving for him next year because – it's a different. If it's, I mean, you, you never know. It's a different Could animal. Be for Williams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. But it's a different. They're a different it animal is. now that they have committed for another five years. It's a whole different, whole different. And deal. look at how many Americans: Otmar, uh, Zach Brown, yep. um, Lawrence, Lawrence Stroll uh, from Canada. It, the, the 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 sort of. It, it's shifting. The paradigm is shifting as a sport uh, to being finally. Uh, with the American involvement, which it never really had. Yeah. All right, well, Jonathan, let's take another break. And when we come back, we'll have one more clip from Gunther Steiner. And uh, we're also going to talk a lot more about the Williams purchased by an American investment firm. You're listening to Speed City. We're live in Austin. Back after a quick break. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Talk 1370. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. To the show, we're in the basking in the glow of an Indy 500 day. But we're talking glow quite literally. Yeah, some of us glowing more than others, like uh, James Davison's car and uh, others. But we're talking Formula One right now because we got to sit down with Gunther Steiner over Zoom on uh, Friday morning. And I've got another clip from him that we're talking about the Williams purchased by an American investment firm. But I want to set that up a little bit because I've been doing a little bit of research about Dorling, Dorlington Capital is the name of it, Dorlington Capital. And I looked him up on, like, for example, on LinkedIn, it says they have 87 employees. Now, that's not scientific, and it's usually an underestimation on LinkedIn. So they maybe have, I don't know, one or maybe even 200. But I, I don't think 200. I don't think they're huge. Now, looking at their portfolio – and they don't show. Yeah, but it's an investment company. It's not about. It's not. You're not making a product. You're you're making yeah, investments, right? So they, you don't need. That's a big company. Exactly. They they are buying. What they do is they buy companies and either, uh, you know, inject the management team or whatever it takes to make that company better. So if you're a Williams F1 fan, I mean, yes, it's iconic, iconic British brand and sport, right? And it's sad that it's not a family owned. British Formula One team, but I guess it's the next best thing, guys. Think about it, because they're planning on oh, yeah. leaving, leaving it in place the way they are and and just injecting what it takes to make it successful, because these guys aren't going to buy this just for fun. I mean, they're a, they are a, an investment firm that does this to make money, so they either plan on injecting this capital into the firm and making it better and, and reaping the rewards, being points money from Formula One, or maybe down the road selling it. But I think it's good news for the sport. And, you know, they don't have a huge portfolio. This is not some giant company. Uh, I'd say, you know, obviously they paid, what, 150-something million? So it's, they're a successful company. But they, uh, they're they not huge and just have a small portfolio of companies. And it's a significant uh, change in the model because Formula One, and Williams is a good example, um, has been about uh, – sort of uh, teams starting from scratch, building their own car, the Constructors' Championship. But now it's changing to an investment business. And I think the purchase of Racing Point, uh, formerly Jordan, um, back when, it's gone through a few machinations since. But, um, you know, but you know, Eddie Jordan, again, same thing. He had a small team in Formula 3000 and Formula 3, built it up and then went Formula 1. Carlin did the same. Um, but... Lance Stroll's model and what's about to be Williams' model is about investment in business. And that has got to be good for the future of Formula One, which already uh, makes a lot of money out of the TV revenue. But I think uh, this is a real turning point, a pivotal turning point for Formula One as a business over the next 20 years. You know what, Jonathan? And think about that if you are Liberty Media. And, you know, you and I talked about this. Remember this? Who knows how this introduction came from Dornington yeah. Capital, maybe it came through Liberty Media, you know, or or something like that. Because, and by the way, I'm looking on their website, Dornington Capital, and they say 
they, uh, they, they, they target companies. They look for established businesses that demonstrate cash flow generation. So that's encouraging. They think that, they, that Williams can generate cash flow. With strong management teams, check that box. And they look for companies with EBITDA, you know, earnings before interest and in taxes and depreciation, all that, between four and $25 million, which I think that the Williams has made a lot more than that in times. My point is they're looking for – those are small middle market companies. They're not they're – not, they don't buy big, giant companies. So this is a – this will be a big deal. And they already have the Williams team up on their website. So uh, I think this is – I really am excited about this. But I want to I talk about what Gunther thought about this situation because we sat down with Haas F1 team principal, Gunther Steiner, on Friday. And we asked him this exact question about the Williams F1 team purchase. Let's see what Gunther said. Uh, I, I don't know them at all. I mean, I just got the same information and uh, like everybody of else that uh, had, 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 uh, had a quick Google search on it, you know, but yeah. didn't find anything out. Uh, in particular, it's an investment firm out of, of, of New York. But uh, I, I think it is it is good news. And investment firms, they normally don't do things just on emotions or they cannot. They are not in, they are not in the business of emotions. They are in the business of money. So they must have uh, looked at it and said, this, uh, this, uh, this has got potential to be worth something in the future. So that's for the invested. They are not doing it on because they love racing normally, you know. So I think it's a very good thing. I'm, I'm very happy for the, uh, for the Williams family uh, that they found a good solution for them. Uh, uh, I hope Claire stays around. Uh, she's part of F1, you know. So uh, uh, she had a very tough job the last years. Uh, I, I know how that feels, you know. Uh, uh, when you don't have enough, re- haven't got enough resources, uh, and uh, uh, but I, I think in general it's it's a, it's a good deal, and I hope this investment firm uh, manages the team as uh, uh, as the Williams family did up to now until they they hit a little bit of trouble. Well, Gunther, do you think that? I mean, this has got to be good news for American fans, right? And now we've got Liberty Media, an American company. We've got the Haas F1 team. We have a permanent home at Coda. We now have an, an American investment group owning an iconic name like Williams F1. But I, do you, I mean, do you agree that this has got to be a great thing for uh, uh, the sport in America? Absolutely. It's a great thing for the sport in America. I think all the fans which are listening, tell your friends, you know, that they all watch us, you know, as well. Not only you guys. So, uh, uh, but uh, uh, I think it is growing a lot. I mean, and, and now we need to go the audience here. And it is growing, actually. It's sometimes, I would say, there is a little bit of difficulty because of we are raising a lot uh, uh, globally. And the time is not always ideal. Uh, 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 when you have to get up very early in the morning on Sundays, but uh, uh, I, I think it's a global sport, and, and we just need to get used to it. And maybe people don't watch it live. Maybe we can get uh, get the TV stations to play it a few hours later. So it, it is it, it is a uh, times where we are not challenged, you know, on a Sunday morning to get up at five or four o'clock in the morning. Who wants to do that? But uh, uh, no, in general, it's a very good thing. Yeah, good thing. I think nobody. We'll argue that. I mean, we. Well, when was it that Williams announced that they were up for sale? It was just early this year, right? Yeah, it was. I think it was. Um, it, it, it wasn't as we went to racing in July. It was before that. I think it was sort of yeah. when we were sometime in April. I, I would have said they. They basically were quite coy about it. They said we are not selling. Will we're not. You know, we're not going out of business, but we are looking actively for investors, uh, and that was the green light that um, they wanted. And, and what I wanted to say about 
I don't know, again, you know more than I do about the investment company, but what I do know is that Williams as a team and all its history will stay intact with Claire at the helm, um, Frank still there. And, you know, it's a really important um, move this to keep a team like Williams. The teams that we've lost in the last few years, Marussia, um, Caterham, honestly, they weren't around in Formula One long enough for them to, to become, you know, part of the, like I said, the fraternity. Whereas Williams have been, when I came into Formula One in the, you know, in the mid nineties, they were kings. They were multiple constructors champions, multiple drivers champions. Everybody wanted to drive for Williams, including Ant and Senna. Um, you know, they were, uh, Renault, uh, they won 15 titles, uh, did Renault in, in, back in the 90s. I mean, it was an amazing time. And Williams were king. Um, and for those joining Formula One in the last few years, you wouldn't think that were the case. But uh, I can tell you, if you are going to England, go to Williams and go to their museum. It will blow your mind. Hmm. Yeah, I was just reading about, uh, you know, all the wins and everything that Williams had. I mean, yeah, it is... I just hope this, that this is as good a news as it feels like because it feels like that this is exactly what they needed and let's take you know take the next step and, and this is just maybe the sport evolving maybe this is going to be a little more common with the when, in the small team world so well I said to you uh, earlier in the week when the news came out um, like I said are we seeing the beginnings of a new model here for investors which is your return on investment is. We, with this cap now at 145, you know what you're spending. So there's no question mark on that. And the likelihood is it's going to go down, not up. But it doesn't really matter because at least as an investment company, you know what your outlay is. And the return on that investment could be threefold, fourfold if you finish in the top five. So I don't know. I don't know investment, uh, you know, how the wheels work in an investment company. But I would say that Formula One's a pretty good investment if you know what your budget cap is and you know what the return on investment is if you look at the scale of what you're getting paid yeah this could be really interesting jonathan think about it think about maybe sponsor connections in the united states yep. i mean yep. th that could be the 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 deal breaker the deal maker i should say right there because if they could bring american dollars in the form of sponsorship to williams f1 <laughs> i mean that that would be enough to to make this i mean make them profitable i mean i think that could be the the big connection bringing some american money into it but hey greeny we are almost out of time i definitely want to talk about formula one next week because yes. spa one week from today we'll be in the studio bright and early and you can check go to our website speedcitybroadcast.com because we do a one-hour post uh, pre-show one-hour post show with the race in between on the radio and you can find out all about the details on our website. But I'm looking forward to this because this is this is one of those races, Spa. Yeah, I mean, Spa is a classic. I mean, it's one of the oldest races on the calendar. Uh, there's always a chance of rain, and therefore that means that it's a leveling field as well for teams like Haas. Uh, that was one of the things we'll play that out next week is that Gunter talked about uh, last weekend and the problems they had for Grosjean going fifth fastest at one point and then disappearing in qualifying. But they've got a special downforce package. Um, they believe they're going to be more competitive next week. Um, and Spa's always a great race. So all right, that's going to be it. We're out of time. Thanks, everybody. Next Sunday, 7 a.m. Look us up. Talk to you next week. Happy trails.
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.